Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. Mildred, the church gossip, and the self-appointed arbiter of the church's morals, she kept sticking her nose in other members' private lives. Church members were unappreciative of her activities, but feared her enough to maintain their silence. She made a mistake, however, when she accused Henry, a new member of of being an alcoholic, after, after she saw his pickup truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. She commented to Henry and others and everyone who would listen, everyone seeing it there would know what he was doing. Henry, a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just walked away. He didn't explain, he didn't defend, deny, he said nothing. Later that evening, Henry quietly parked his pickup truck in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night. (laughs) Someone say paybacks. Again, good morning. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you who are here today. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. I want to encourage those who are following us online to to like and to share uh, this message. Um, We are in a series that we are calling Christmas Gossip. Christmas Gossip. And, And we've been asking the question, did you hear what I heard? And it wasn't necessarily about the Mildreds of this world. You know, they've got a lot to say, but it's about the, the juicy stuff that we see in the Bible that eventually got a lot of people's mouths talking. The title of this morning's message is The Pregnant Cousins. The Pregnant Cousins. And where do we find this story? Well, we find them as we continue in the book of Luke. We've been in, the, in, the, in Luke. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Someone say Jesus. Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now let's stop there just for a moment because... I want to bring everyone up to speed, just, and I want to make a couple sub-points to my points, to my main points this morning. The first thing I want to point out that, that the Scripture says that it was in the sixth month that this happened. Now, what's, what sixth month are we talking about? We're talking about the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, of Mary's cousin. The scandal we talked about last week that got everyone's tongue wagging. Remember, she was barren. Uh, all these years, she was beyond. Uh, she was older. She was considered under a curse. But we said last week, sometimes our 
it, things may look like they're barren to us today, but God is setting us up for a blessing. Amen? Amen. If, you, if you missed last week's message, go back and listen to it. But Luke chapter 1, verse 24, the, the previous verses speaks of Elizabeth. It says, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And the Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And again, we, we looked at the scandal uh, 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 and, and, and four powerful observations from last week's message. Sometimes silence is part of God's plan. We said that. Uh, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just to be quiet because you can blow the blessing that God has for you. That's what the position Zechariah was in. It was it, the angel approached him and said, we have heard your prayer. And, and Zechariah acted as if he hadn't been praying. <laughs> he, he, said, he, he started pointing out the, the obvious things that were going wrong. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment. But sometimes the best thing we can do is to be quiet. And God just said, you know what? I'm just going to shut you up for a little while till your blessing comes. And then we talked about don't, don't stop believing that God can change things. How many know that God can do all things but fail? Amen? That, that, that's to say that just because it doesn't, the answer isn't right away doesn't mean that we have to stop believing God for it or trusting him for it. Sometimes he says yes. We've talked about this. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes we're thrown into God's waiting room. And again, nobody likes to be in God's waiting room, but it doesn't mean no. The Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen? So the answer may be coming. I, I said to start looking for the wondrous and not just the obvious. Zechariah declared he's old and his wife is old. And, and, and that's when he was approached with a blessing that was coming, he just declared the obvious stuff. These are the reasons why it's not going to happen. Again, even though he was praying for it, because the angel said, you were praying for this. And so, and so what's, we learned that what's impossible with man is possible with God. Amen? We'll talk about that again. And, and, and Christmas time is for telling and retelling the story. So, 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 so what makes this potential, uh, potential scandal, this story today, uh, th that, that would have gotten people's tongues wagging and along those lines? Well, it's in the verse that Mary said. She said, how will this be, she asked, since I am a virgin? Now, again, if people started talking about Elizabeth getting pregnant in her old age, how much more do you think they're going to talk about her uh, uh, being pregnant, Mary being pregnant? She was engaged to be married. She was engaged to be married to a good man, Joseph. But before they got together, she became pregnant. She would have been a teenager, some 14, 15, not much older than that. That's the age they were getting married back then. Now, Today, it would, it would make an episode of Jerry Springer or Maury Povich or something along those lines. It, 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 it would make for good television. They would even open up a daycare in, in their names to make things easier. But back in those days, how many know if you, if you were betrothed to be married and you ended up pregnant, it would have been a death sentence for you. They would have stoned you to death. All the more reason why uh, Joseph took the position that he took. He didn't want her caught up in a scandal. He genuinely loved her. Uh, he clearly didn't believe <laughs> that, that she was pregnant, you know, the way she said. And so he was going to put, put her away silently so it wouldn't become a, a public disgrace so that she might end up 
being harmed. And so that's why she, he decided to do what he did. So that's point number one. He didn't want to ruin her life. Point number two, just a reminder, it said in verse 31, that you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And I've been asking what's in the name. Today, it's not too much. We just name our kids, and we don't give a whole lot of thought to, to the name. But back in the day, those names meant something. Zechariah, we said, meant remembered of the Lord. Remembered of the Lord. Elizabeth means oath or covenant of God. They were going to give birth to a son named John. His name means Jehovah is a gracious giver. So when the angel named the, the, the baby Jesus, Jesus, had, Jesus name meant something as well. Yeshua, Yeshua means uh, Jehovah is salvation. I want you to remember that. It means Jehovah or God is our savior. He is our salvation. A, a powerful name. So Mary says, well, how will this be since I am a virgin? And in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born in you will be called what? The Son of God. God. Now I want to give you a a little bit of biological uh, information. And I want to put it up on the screen because this is not me. It says, generally accept, the generally accepted theory is that males determine the sex because males can donate both an X chromosome and, or, uh, or a Y chromosome, while females can only donate an X chromosome to their offspring, making their contribution constant and the male's contribution the variable, which under normal circumstances determines the offspring, uh, uh, genetic, uh, the offspring's genetic sex. So what am I saying here? You're either XX female, genetically, or you're XY male. And the one who determines that is when the male comes along with his sperm and contributes to the egg, and that will determine whether it's going to be a male or a female. Now, Now, I said all that to say this. That's why the whole you can choose your gender thing going on in the world today especially in America, it's complete nonsense as far as biology is concerned and even the Bible. You are either biologically an XY or you're you're an XX, a female. And if they are confused because there is some birth defect involved, they can go back to the genes and tell you exactly what you are, right? Now, again, why is this important? I'm watching on the news this week. And what comes on the news is this. transgender swimmer is smashing records in the U.S. women's competition. Lyad Thomas, who competed as a man as recently as 2019, finishing one race a full 38 seconds ahead of the closest rival. Outkick founder Clay Travis joins us right now with reaction. Where would you like to start on this, Clay? Did you hear what that that thing said? You've got a biological man as early as 2019, he's, he's, he was doing well just as a man, decides that he's going to be a female in 20, 2019, and now he is competing against the women and being allowed to, 
and smashing records left and right as, as much as 38 seconds. He's a lot fast. He's so much faster than the females. And the world is saying, oh, look at this. This is great. Yay. And you got these men who are posing as women, and the world is saying it's okay, and they're taking the women's uh, uh, prizes away. They're taking the, when they go to school, they're taking those things away from them, and, and it's complete nonsense. You are either XX or you're XY, and because the world goes off a foolish track doesn't mean the church needs to as well. Amen? Amen. Now, not only does the sex determine, not only... Uh, not only do they determine the sex, the blood principle is initiated by the father as well, the blood principle. Listen to this. It says, the blood which flows in the unborn baby's arteries and veins is not derived from the mother, but is produced only after the introduction of the male sperm. There is not one drop of the mother's blood that ever enters into the unborn child's arteries or veins. I'm going somewhere with this. The blood is produced within the embryo itself and then only after the ovum has been fertilized by the sperm. The mother provides the unborn developing infant with the nutritive elements for the building of that little body, but all the blood which forms in that little body is formed in the embryo itself and only as a result of the contribution of the male parents. Now, what am I saying? Well, first of all, I'm saying this is basic biology which kind of blows that whole, it's, this is my body, my choice argument out of the water, right? It, it, it's not your body. It's a different body. Half the time, it's a different sex. And half the time, or most of the time, it's a, it's a different blood type. We're talking about a different human being in the body. Now, what's going on with the Supreme Court over the last two weeks? They're debating again <laughs> whether, uh, whether you're... Roe v. Wade should be done. You need to know that since Roe v. Wade was enacted, there's some 62 million people not on this planet, just in this country, since it's been enacted. But what else does this mean? It means that science is finally catching up with the word of God and with, the, with what God has to say. The Bible says the life is in the blood. It literally says that. The life is in the blood and that all have sinned because we've all come from, the, from Adam. Adam blew it, and so since we're all in the genes of Adam, all of us have sinned. They did a study a few years ago. They took an area of, of, of north, uh, like in New York, and they, they sampled something like 100, 120,000 people, and, they, and when they genetically went back, of all different races, and they genetically traced it back to, they said there's a biological Adam and a, bi and a biological Eve. They, everybody's genes kind of trace back to one person. Well, guess what the Bible's been saying forever? Come on, somebody. We're, we're all related. You may not like that, but we are all related. And the Bible says that we were all in Adam. His blood runs through all of our veins because it was passed down through the male. There was only one exception to that rule. You know who that was? Some would say Jesus. Some would say Jesus. Because he got, his, he got his blood factor from who? His father. Now, the Bible says he was 100% man according to the flesh, a descendant of David. But according to the blood, 
He was 100% God, making him the only one uniquely qualified to pay the sin debt that we all owe before on behalf of mankind. He was a sinless sacrifice, that, that, uh, and he became the sinless sacrifice because his blood comes from his daddy. 1 Corinthians 12, if, if you don't believe me, this is what it says, fifteen twenty-one. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam, what does it say? All die. all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's worth shouting. That's worth shouting. And the scripture says the first Adam blew it, but it says the last Adam brought life for everyone. It didn't say the second Adam or the third Adam or the fourth Adam. It said the last Adam, Amen. and his name is Jesus. And you're either going to be, you're either going to find yourself standing for, before God in the state of your first Adam, your, your great, 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 great granddaddy, and the sins that he passed on through to us, or you're going to step into the, the, the life of eternal life that Jesus offers everyone who is the last Adam who, who brings life to everyone who puts their trust in him. Now, keep all that in mind as we continue with the rest of the story, Luke chapter 1, verse 36. The angel is speaking. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was, who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Come on, somebody. Now listen to Mary's response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said... Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, the baby, today they were, if it was in modern day vernacular, it would say the fetus, the fetus <laughs> leaped inside her womb. <laughs> Come on, somebody. The baby leaped inside her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as, soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Let's drop down to verse 56. And then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three more months and then returned home. And so she went in the, in the sixth month, and then she stayed for another three months. So she stayed until right about the time when John would be born. So what do we have here? Now we have two pregnant cousins. And one of them is a teenager. Now you want to know why, the, why people are talking? That's why people are talking. And both of them... God was going to uh, expect some things from them. One was going to raise a great prophet. Jesus called him, of all the prophets ever born, he would be the greatest, John the Baptist. And one was going to raise uh, Yeshua, <laughs> the, the Savior of the world. How many of you know that they had some responsibilities in their hands? Yeah. And there were some expectations that God had put on those two ladies. Having said that, I'll come up with at least four things that God, was, that God expects from each and every one of us as well. 
There are expectations that God has put forth from this story that I believe that, that we should take heed to and we, we should start to walk in. Number one, for us to have faith and not fear. Because there's a lot going on in this world today. That we should have faith and not fear. Mary's response was totally different than Zechariah. When he was confronted by the angel or the angel came to him, he wanted proof which reflected his doubt. What did she want? She simply sought an explanation. How can this happen since I'm a virgin? And upon hearing the explanation, what did she do? She submitted in faith, completely trusting in God the Father. And it wasn't a blind trust because the angel said, you're not alone in your experience. You're experiencing a miracle, but your, your cousin is also experiencing a miracle. She was barren as well, or she was a barren cousin. But what she found out was impossible isn't in God's vocabulary. Amen? Someone needs to hear that. Impossible isn't in God's vocabulary. There's nothing impossible with God. Whether it's the dead womb of, of, of Elizabeth to the dead body of Lazarus. Remember what Jesus declared? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he spoke to, he went to, when he grew up, he went to that tomb where Lazarus had died and he called out, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? Lazarus came forth. I am the resurrection and the life. There's nothing impossible with God. From nothing he can create something because he is the author of life. My question to you today is, what have you been struggling with? What seems to be dying in your life? What, what, is there a relationship that's going down? Is there a dream that's, that seems to be faltering? Is there a situation or circumstances that, that's happening that's getting you down or seems hopeless in your situation? Well, I, I want you to do something this morning. Rather than holding on to it yourself, turn it over to God. Amen? Turn that situation over to the, to the, to the Father and ask him to touch it because he is the resurrection and the life, and nothing is impossible with him. He, God expects us not to be afraid. He expects us to have faith and not fear. That's number one. Let me give you number two that he expects. He expects us to seek out fellowship with other believers. To seek out fellowship with other believers. What's the first thing Mary did upon hearing the good news? The angel said that your cousin also who was barren is with child. And the first thing she did, Luke chapter 1 verse 39, at that time Mary got ready and did what? She hurried to a town in, in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. My question is why did she do that? She did it because of the angel stated this was happening with her, but she also did it because she needed the mutual encouragement, encouragement considering what she was about to go through. And did she get that from Elizabeth? She absolutely did. Upon, upon her walking in, the first thing Elizabeth said was, Elizabeth didn't point out the obvious. Oh, my goodness, you're, you're, you're pregnant already? We haven't even had the wedding. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's maybe what we've done. How old are you now? 15? You know? What? What? Uh, immaculate conception? Come on. 
I'm, um, you know, I was, I wasn't, I was born, I may have been born yesterday, but it wasn't the day before yesterday. You know what I'm talking about? He, she didn't go into all that. The first thing that she did was to declare in a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. She didn't point out the obvious. She pointed out the wondrous because God had revealed something good to her. And then she went on to say, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Has God given you any promises today? Come on, somebody. I mean, we sang that song about our children and our children's children. Has God given you any promises in the word of God today? Anything to stand on, to hold on, stand on those things. Declare those things over your family, over your life, over your finances, and believe God for what he said he's going to do in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So she went to Elizabeth because Elizabeth was in the same situation as her, and she would have been the best person to go to. Now, we need to be in fellowship with other people because, uh, trust me, I'm speaking to all you lone rangers out there, No man is an island. We all need someone in our lives. You were not designed to walk through this life by yourself. That's why God created the body of Christ, so that we can make it through this life with the encouragement and the help of each other. I didn't say it, but this is what the Word of God says. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another. Help me out, somebody. What does it say? Daily. Daily, as long as it's called... What's, what do we call today? Today. <laughs> and so as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So there's a consequences for avoiding fellowship. And he's telling us what it is. Satan is tempting us to fall into sin and sin's de- deceitfulness. And it's in the context of the body of Christ that we fulfill all of the one another. It says to encourage one another. But there are scriptures in the Bible that says to love one another, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens. How many of you know that that all happens in the context of a family being together? Hebrews 10.25 goes on to say, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. More so now than I've ever seen in my lifetime. That's what's taking place in the world today. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day approaching that he's referring to? The coming of Jesus Christ. We're closer than we've ever been. And so it says, as we get closer to that day, the first one says, sin might be there to harden your heart, so don't forsake the gathering together the saints. And And the second verse says, as the day is approaching, we need the encouragement. And because my Bible says there's a lot of things that are going to be happening surrounding the coming of the Lord. Earthquakes and different things, wars and rumors of wars. How many know... We need to be in prayer for what's taking for those, the victims of the, the tornadoes. Because immediately I heard our president get on and says, see, it's global warming. 
And I look at it and I'm saying, see, Jesus is coming. <laughs> we just see things a little different. With mine, I'm not going to hit you up with a global warming tax because how, somehow you're going to prevent the tornadoes from coming if they tax you more money. Someone say, please. <laughs> but I said all that to say this. Friends, it's time, and I'm looking in the camera. It's time to get back in church. It's time to get back in church. Now, if you're sick, and I know some of you are, or some of you are living abroad, and you don't live close enough to come, you continue to watch online. But for those of you, there's nothing wrong with you physically and you live within 50 miles of this church, it's time to get back in church. It's been long enough. God expects us to seek fellowship with each other. What else does he expect? He expects us to rejoice in his salvation and his mercy. That's what Mary and her older cousin Elizabeth did uh, during a very trying and stressful time. Even more so, we should be rejoicing. Amen? And trusting in God and, 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 and rejoicing in, in, in what he's doing in our lives. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So the first thing she did, even though her situation wasn't upon its face, wasn't good. She would have some explaining to do. Come on, somebody. And even her explanation for many wouldn't sound right. The first thing she does is to rejoice at the coming birth of Jesus Christ. Folks, Jesus has come. And even more so, we have much to rejoice over. So should we. Now listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 concerning all of us. He said, God saved you. Someone say, that's me. That's you too. By his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's what? It's a gift from God. It goes on to say, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And so for those of us who are trying to make it to heaven or to have salvation by being good, he's telling you right here, it's not obtained by the good that you do. And he tells you why it won't be by the good that you do. So you're not going to get there and say, look at me, how good I am. It's not going to be about how good you are or how good I am. It's always going to be about how good God is. Amen. And our God gives good, good gifts. Don't miss the next few messages because we're going to talk about how good his gifts really are for us. And so God has called us, like Mary, like Elizabeth, to rejoice in his salvation and his mercy. Lastly, God's called us to invest our lives in others. 
Luke 1, 5, 6, 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. How many know that that was an investment on both their parts toward each other? My question to you this morning is, who are you investing your life in? Who has God brought into your life that he wants you to spend a little bit more time with investing? Of course, our kids are going to be on that list, maybe even our grandkids, but there might be others that God is asking you to invest your life with. Acts chapter 20, verse 22 says this, And now I am going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in every city, every city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. So get the picture. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, every, every city he goes to, prophetically he's getting word that he is going to suffer and he's going to be going to jail. Okay? Now, if you and I prophetically got words <laughs> that we're going to, if I go to uh, uh, Pembroke Pines or if I go to Coral Springs, on that day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer and I'm going to go to jail, would you go there? T tell the truth. You take it as a word from the Lord to avoid those places. What was Paul's motivation? Why did he continue to go forward with the mission that God called him to? He tells us why in verse 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord. He was on assignment. And this is the work. This is the work. Listen, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Come on, somebody. So what was Paul's motivation, even though he knew he was only going to have trouble moving forward. He knew he had an assignment from the Father that I am going to go forward and do the work to let people know the good news of Jesus Christ, how much he loved me and how much he cared for me. And that was what motivated him every single day to keep moving forward, even through the tough times. Folks, it's never just about me and you. It's always going to be an, about who God wants to reach through me and you. Let that be your motivation, even when things get difficult, to keep moving forward in the things of God, in the ministries that God has called us to, in the purpose that he's put us on this planet for. It's not just about me punching the clock every day, getting up, going to work, going to lunch, come back to work, eating, eating dinner, watch a little TV, uh, go to bed, and then hit repeat for the next day. There's more to what God is asking us to do than just that. Does that make sense? And, and, and as we get to this time of the year, there's going to be gift exchanges happening all over the place, from parties to the actual day of Christmas, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind because I, not just in this country, it's happening all over the world. My question to you is, God has given us a gift. And the gift is his son, Jesus Christ. What does he expect 
from each and every one of us to do in exchange for the gift that is given us. And I want to remind you of those four things. He, he expects us to have faith and not fear. He expects us to fellowship with other believers. He expects us to rejoice in the salvation and his, and his mercy. And he expects us to invest our lives in the lives of others. Does that make sense? And a great way to, to kind of expose some of your loved ones to Christ this Christmas season is to go ahead and invite them to a service or two or even the Christmas candlelight service because we'll be talking about Jesus there as well. And it's going to be a night of singing and, and, and worship, but we'll be honoring the Lord there as well. But the first step is always the first step. And the first step is always accepting Jesus for yourself. The Bible says today, there's that word again, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. And so if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, like I always say, it would be a privilege and an honor for me to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this from our heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the penalty for my sins. I understand that I am in Adam, and in Adam all of us have sinned. But in Christ, if I give my life to you, all of us can find forgiveness and have eternal life. Today, I humble myself and I admit that I'm a sinner. I ask your forgiveness. And I receive Jesus by faith in my heart. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Make me a brand new person in you. From this day forward, I trust you completely for my salvation. And Father, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I ask that from the sincerity of their hearts, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit, that today would not be the end of a journey with you, but the beginning of a long and lasting and loving relationship with you. Let them, op let them walk through the doors that you open for them. Let them understand that they have a ministry, and it's not just about themselves, but it's about the people you're trying to reach through them as well. Help us to take our position in you, first of all. A special blessing on every single person. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast, if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.